Former Vikings owner, Red McCombs, died. Let's tell some Red McCombs stories here on the Viking Update show. We'll also start getting into some draft uh, updates and speculation, and we'll talk about the nature of the Vikings roster. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Our producer is Brandon Morton. This is TalkNorth.com. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app if you like the show. It's free way to listen to the show. It's the easiest way to listen to the show. Also go to TalkNorth.com. Find other shows you like. If you like the NFL and the Vikings, you might want to listen to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL insider from the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. But we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. We'll tell you about more more about Aquarius later. Brandon Morton is our producer. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. So I actually have a, a kind of a, 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 I had a bit of a relationship with Red McCombs. It, it kind of, it petered out over the years, but I, we got a sense early on that Red was going to buy the team. And once it looked like he was the front runner, I went down to San Antonio a couple of times, spent time with him, a billionaire, and he worked in the most Spartan office you can imagine in the back room of one of his car dealerships. I mean, it was just like a big, long table with a chair, and that was about it. Uh, It was kind of the way he was. And I went down there, and, and he was a great storyteller and big sports fan, and he had gotten into, you know, all kinds of other sports ownership situations before that and he buys the team and I'm down there doing a story on him like right as it's happening and I said well you know I need more time with you and he said well get on the plane Uh, (laughs) so so I jump on the private jet and we fly to Durango Colorado and we spend like two days and, and he lived in a very nice house there it wasn't like it's not what you picture from a billionaire it wasn't like a a, a Bill Gates type house, but it was just a nice big house in a, in a pretty spot in Cal in Colorado, spent some time with him there, came back, uh, covered him. And you know, what I gathered in the early years, John, was that I really think that he was a more of a businessman than anything else. Uh, even though he was a big sports fan, I think he saw an opportunity to buy the Vikings at a re- very reasonable price, uh, strip them down and flip them. I think that was his initial intent. And then he goes to training camp in 98. And he he looks out there and he goes, that Randy Moss kid's pretty good. (laughs) Chris Carter's pretty good. Brad Johnson and Randall Cunningham are both pretty good. There's some real talent on this team. Denny Green is telling me they can win and win big. And then he got excited and he thought, I'm not selling this team now. They might win a Super Bowl. And he was pretty close to being right. And then, of course... You know, when things finally tur- tur- went downhill in 2001, they had played in two NFC Championship games in three seasons. Uh, 2001, we all knew it was over. Den- you know, and Denny ends up getting fired. And from then on, I thought, and I thought Red had been a pretty good owner to that point. From then on, Red went back to the original idea. He stripped them and he flipped them. And he ran a bad organization for a couple of years. So, so you can, you know, if you want to remember Red fondly, you can remember '98 through 2000. If you, if you don't want to remember Red fondly, you can remember 2001 until he sold. Uh, but he was always an interesting character. I mean, I, I think that's the thing that I'm remembering now, Jim. Is just like I remember when he first bought the team, and so I was just, um, I was a freshman in college at the time. Um, and big Vikings fan still at that point and and really just kind of trying to figure out who the heck this guy was. And we know 
how Minnesotans do not take kindly to outsiders and are very skeptical of them. And everyone was understandably very skeptical of Red. He was this big talking Texas used car salesman is what it's it felt like. And you just really didn't know what the heck was going to happen with the entire franchise. And I, as I got to know him, as I got to join the AP and did some interviews with him and, and, and things like that, and, and really did have some long conversations with him, especially even after he left the Vikings ownership group uh, or after he sold the team, I circled back with him a couple of times on a few other subjects and had really entertaining conversations with him. He was always very accessible. Um, he was always selling his himself and his product, but at least that you could always get him on the phone and 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 he would you know kind of answer your questions and give you time. And so I appreciated that. But really, I would say that I I kind of grew to uh, like him a little bit in terms of just the character that he was. Um, and I, I don't think that he was just a kind of shyster looking to pull one over on everyone. I think that there was something underneath the salesman, um, that was endearing and, and, and I chuckled and, you know, there, there ain't a, a horse that can't be, be rode. There ain't a cowboy that can't be thrown like that kind of stuff that he would say. And, Oh, squat um, with your spurs on. That's right, exactly. And and I mean, it was he was a movie character. Like if you were to you know make a comedy of a running an NFL franchise and have this eccentric, you know, big time uh, owner um, and and this big character, you know, he he would be a guy that that you'd say, yeah, that's that's the guy right there. Um, you know, just put him in that spot spot and say, Red, just be yourself. Like that's how. That's how colorful he was. And I remember just this last year, the Spurs came through and Greg Popovich was telling some Red McComb stories, um, you know, and and this was uh, November or so. And and Pop and I just would threw back, our, you know, sh- shared our, our one liners, our red, favorite red one liners and and had a chuckle about it. And so was he a, a great owner? No, I don't think he was a great owner. Um, I think he kind of lucked into uh, an unbelievable situation that nobody knew about. And then, but the one thing that he did do, uh, in those early days with Randy Moss was he uh, understood how to throw gasoline on the fire. Like the fire was started to burn. It was this, because people often do not remember that before Randy Moss in 98, the Vikings were a team that had trouble selling tickets that really, um, you know, that, that was kind of languishing in this no man's land and, and hadn't really captivated the public, certainly not anywhere close to what it is now. And once they started rolling, red was a guy who understood how to capitalize on that enthusiasm and to just turn the whole thing into Hey, this is a rock concert and we are going to lean all the way into it. And he did that very well. And you're right. Towards the end, he shifted gears into let me just save as much money as I can and then make as much on the sale as possible. But in those early days, it was wild. I mean, it was chaotic. It was all over the place. 
and Red's sort of personality and fly by the seat of his pants kind of a persona, I think helped to just ingrain that franchise with that kind of uh, hair on fire sort of approach. And it was chaotic, but super fun too. So, um, you know, I, I, I do remember Red fondly um, just for the character that he was. Uh, no doubt about it. Purple pride, purple, purple pride, pride yeah. purple pride, purple pride. <laughs> and it, it, that was all you heard him before you saw him. And I, I rem, like he, then he shifted into I do think that, Jim, like to your point at the beginning where initially you just thought flip this real quick. Then they started to win. And then I think he thought, OK, let me try and build a stadium and really like yep. capitalize on this investment. And he just never could sell it. Like he was never going to sell the, you know, wild rice soup eating Minnesota legislature um, on his brand of, of Texas bravado. And, um, and so that just wasn't going to happen. And then he got frustrated and then he kind of pouted and, and turned it the other way. Um, but in the interim, yes, that, I mean, him standing outside of the Metrodome locker room as the as the um, as the Vikings were going back in after winning a game, and him just yelling "Purple Pride, Purple Pride, Purple Pride," and him and Lertzema, you know, yucking it up and things like that uh, with his purple sport coat on and all that stuff. I mean, it was out there like it was larger than life. And uh, as as a writer trying to you know looking always looking for good characters and good yarns to spin, I mean, he gave us plenty of that. That's for sure. And really, uh, you know, writers do look at the sports world differently than fans and yes. fans just want the end result, you yes. know, and, and we are, we want the characters, man. We, you know, know, of course, listen, we all would prefer to cover a winning team. Uh, it's more fun. It's more interesting. We of course would rather cover a championship team because it's more fun. It's more interesting, but give us characters, man. Give us funny, give us anecdotes give us storytelling and and red was perfect for all of that and and jim i mean just think about the juxtaposition right now the wilf family far and away better owners better stewards of the franchise have accomplished more have you know they built they got the stadium built they have done the dip, diplomatic thing they've they've also been to a couple nfc championship games and and things like that um they have been very even keeled they do not um they they do not command attention they stay in the background they are very quiet which is what every coach and gm on an nfl team prays and dreams for is that kind of ownership group um but like we have been around the wilfs for infinitely longer than we uh, were around um bread mccombs but i guarantee you and i both have many more entertaining Macomb stories than Wilf stories, just because of the way that they go about their business. And I mean, ha we haven't, I don't know, like, have you read one, like really, you know, Ziggy Wilf profile that is ultra compelling and, 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 and gets to the heart of who he is and, 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 and really fleshes out the character. No, cause he's just not, he's not that person. He's not interested in doing that. Um, he wants to be very much in the background. Uh, Red was very much front and center. He was the lead singer of the group. 
and he shared and probably shared too much, but man, that was fun to really kind of write about and, 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 and be around and just understand like, you know, what that is like. And it's, it was entirely different vibe, not nearly as successful, but just in terms of painting a picture, certainly more vibrant, um, than what we've seen, uh, from the Will family, which has just been like a model ownership group, very cool, calm and collected. Um, no one's sitting outside and, and, you know, yelling purple pride at the top of their lungs. Nobody ever gives Ziggy Wolf any credit for beating Joey Chestnut in the hot dog at a contest. <laughs> That's amazing, right? Yeah. It's just Absolutely. not fair. It's, it's it not isn't. Fair. Yeah, he's just overlooked is what it is. Unappreciated. It is. All right. Uh, we, I want to talk more about the Wilfs uh, ownership, the nature of Minnesota sports ownership. And we'll talk a little bit of Vikings as well here in a second. We do want to remind you we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Here's more about Aquarius. The holidays are over and we're all dreaming about spring. But at Aquarius Home Services, we know old man winter isn't done with us yet. Remember last year? We had snow in April. That's why at Aquarius, we're offering $98 off any furnace repair. With your safety and comfort as our top priority, we'll treat your home in time with respect. We'll provide options that make sense with upfront, no surprise pricing. We're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services, you got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, member FDIC, and equal housing lending. Also, like to thank TSR Injury Law. They were the original sponsor of the John Krasinski Show. They sponsor a number of shows across the network. Uh, as you know, you've seen them grow. You've seen their advertising work because they deliver. Uh, they do not charge you unless they win your case. They win so many cases that they've become a Minnesota success story. They've gone from a couple of small offices to a couple of beautiful, huge floors in a sky, in a high rise down there in Bloomington. Uh, we're friends with Steve Terry. We trust them. If you're ever injured, remember 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. And if we're going to talk about McCombs and the Wilfs, we should point out that Minnesota fans were convinced both of them were going to move the team to yes. Siberia or mm -hmm. to the Caribbean or wherever. And of course, it didn't, not only did it not happen, it didn't come close to happening because it never happens. That's right. I mean, it, it, it's... Um, it is the wariness of us for outsiders. Um, it is, you know, the, that I think, and certainly the Timberwolves went through that with, uh, with Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez and, and that whole situation as well. And, um, and it's a, it is an insecurity as well. I think among all of us who live here, you know, yes, it's cold here. We are in the middle of, you know, an, another foot or more of snow that's going to be dumped on us and you know and and there is a perception from us locally that no one around the country really likes us or wants to be here or anything like that so anytime an outsider comes in um there is just well you're gonna want to leave us and even though while we always say is that if you just spend time here and be around you're really gonna like it here 
Um, so it, 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 it really is kind of hypocritical and, 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 and flies in the face of the logic that, that we, that we use to really speak highly of our, of our town and, and, and of our place. But, um, yeah, it doesn't happen because this is a great media market. This is a great sports market. This is very lucrative market for the leagues to be in. Um, it is good business for the leagues to be here. Um, and, and so until we maybe understand exactly where we stand, uh, on that hierarchy, there's going to be this constant worry about things like that. But yes, the Vikings were never moving to LA. Uh, the Timberwolves are not moving to Seattle. Um, the twins did not have any chance of moving to North Carolina. Yep. Yep. That's just, that's, that's the way that it is. And, and so, um, the Wilfs again, to their credit came in and they did, do a very good job of weathering that early storm of not sort of panicking over the initial skepticism that was given to him. They just put their heads down and did their business and did their work and have built this into a remarkably stable franchise, a very successful one, even though one that has not yet won the big one, but certainly a competent organization um, that with one of the very best stadiums in the league and one that's going to be here for a very, very, very long time. And, and part of that is, has to do with the way that they've run, run things and the way that, that they've set this thing up. We'll talk more football issues, uh, on shows going forward. Let's stay on ownership for today. Uh, I do give the Wilfs a lot of credit for learning on the job. Uh, they seem to kind of panic fire Tice uh, did it in a in a way that wasn't very classy. You know, handing out press releases that that even Tice's kid got a hold of before they mm-hmm. actually did the, the deed with Tice. Uh, and I, you know, they hired Childress in a panic because they're afraid. Oh, the Packers might. I mean, it, they felt like amateurs for a couple of years yes. because they were. It's hard. Yes. You, you don't get you. You know, they had never owned a team before. Of course, mm-hmm. they were amateurs. They were new to it. Uh, I give them a lot of credit for the current structure. Uh, Kevin Warren was a great hire. Andrew Miller, uh, I know people who know him. I think he's exactly what they need as Kevin Warren's replacement. Uh, Kevin O'Connell was a very good hire. Uh, Quezio Dofamensa, of course, has to prove himself, but he's a very smart guy. Uh, the the Hawkinson trade, I thought it was a really good one. Zedaria Smith signing, a very good one. We'll find out here in a year or two whether that last year's draft was was conducted the right way. Uh you know, I, I kind of give him some brownie points for at least thinking outside the box. The Brian Flores hire, I think, is a very impressive hire. And I also like the fact that uh, the Wilfs obviously uh, care about diversity. You know, Kevin Warren, Brian Flores, Quezzi Adolfo Mensa, uh, black men of accomplishment. So I feel pretty good about the Wilfs at this point. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, and and we can, let's even just say, like, I think the Spielman-Zimmer tandem was good. Was it yeah. great? No, it wasn't great. Um, but it was a good, they, they, they built a team that was competitive year in and year out. Um, and they never bottomed out. They were never an embarrassment. Um, and, but it, it, they sustained success and they developed players and they did a good job. And so, um, in general, the moves that they have made, have largely been good. And you're right. I think that the key for them is they are a low ego ownership group in that, 
you, you see a lot of new owners who come in and they want to make their presence felt right away and they have all the answers and they'll figure things out and they make really big mistakes. I think some of the mistakes that the Wilfs made early were generally smaller in scale. Like, yes, the, the way the Tice firing was handled was not good. It was it 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 was amateur hour for sure. But Tice was going to get fired either way. And so um the way that it was handled was messy. And I do think that they took it to heart, the feedback from it, and made sure they did things the right way going forward from that. Childress was not a great hire, um, but he was, you could see why they made the hire. He was Andy Reid's play our uh, offensive coordinator. He, you know, they, they, it was the hot coordinator on the hot team and they went and got him. It didn't work out um, that, but all sorts of ownership groups make hires that, that don't work out um, regularly, but over the course of their, their, their tenure, they have learned and learned and learned um, and have had some introspection about how they run their operation. And I think that that has largely been for the good. The other part that they have recognized is that they are the leaders of a franchise right now in a, in a league that absolutely dominates the landscape. And so they do not need to be out front um, carnival barking and doing things to draw attention to the organization because the NFL draws attention to itself just for being the NFL. And so now they have they have really settled in to this identity as an as an ownership group of you are not going to hear from us a lot. We are going to let our GM and head coach make the decisions, run things the way they see fit. We are not going to be meddling. We are not going to be in the news. We're not going to be doing all of that. And so I think that there is a real appreciation internally and certainly around the league for an ownership group that operates that way, that does not see itself as the story. And so that sort of humility, whatever, you, if you want to call it humility, if you want to just call it um, avoiding the spotlight, whatever it is, I do think that that is a an approach that really fits what this organization needs in terms of stability, in terms of all of that stuff. They are not a group that is easily accessible, um, that they kind of operate above the fray. And that's probably really good for what the Vikings need at this point in their history. And, um, uh, and so I know it's appreciated by people that work there. And I know that other people around the league look at this and say, that's a, that's an ownership group that I would like to work for. And, and so establishing the Vikings in that respect, uh, is, is definitely a, a, a feather in their cap for the way that they've done it. And the other thing about ownerships, pro sports ownership, especially NFL ownership is, you know, the tendency, the fan tendencies, and sometimes the media tendency is to judge everybody by whether you win a championship or not. Yeah. Winning a championship, I hate to tell you, it requires a little bit of luck. Okay. Mm -hmm. If, if, uh, if Patrick Mahomes hadn't been Patrick Mahomes, if he had, ever, had if he had suffered a major injury, the chiefs would still be out of, without a, a Super Bowl. It's the way it is. Uh, you know, if Tom Brady sprains his ankle early in that one season, 
the Tampa Bay Bucks don't win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. It requires a certain amount of luck. Uh, building a really good business, that's not luck, that's skill. So, you know, it's almost smarter to judge owners by how they run their entire organization than whether they actually get the ring. At least well, that's yeah, the way I look at it. You're right. And just, I mean, let's just look at it, Jim, like for, for all of the frustration that Vikings fans have, which is understandable that they have consistently not been able to get to the big one, that they fall flat, that they don't, um, that, that, you know, things don't work out in the playoffs, all of that stuff. That's a real thing that I absolutely understand Vikings fans frustration, but let's look at, you know, all of the franchises around the league. Let's look at some of the franchises in this town. The one that I cover the most included the wolves. Like um, there is something to be said for being stable and competent and reliably competitive year in and year out. The Vikings do not have seasons where they are two and 15. Like it doesn't happen. Um, They don't have, times where you have to fire your coach in the middle of the season because it's just been that much of a dumpster fire. It doesn't happen uh, to, to this team. They are consistently nine wins, 10 wins. Then they'll flash up to 12 to 13 wins every once in a while and then come back down. But the floor for their accomplishment is so much higher than most than a lot of franchises, even in the NFL, which is, you know, kind of built toward parity. Like their floor is always generally the second place in the NFC North. Like that's, that's usually as low as they drop every once in a while, they'll drop to third. They don't ever drop to fourth. It just never happens one year with Leslie Frazier. That's about it. Like it, it just does not happen that way. And and that is a difficult thing to pull off, to be a team that you know is going to be in the mix every year. Maybe you're not going to be contending for a Super Bowl, but you're also not going to be contending for the number one pick. And maybe that's actually to their detriment, that they haven't bottomed out once or twice more and gotten a higher um, draft pick and maybe gotten that star quarterback or star pass rusher or whatever it is and and really take off. But I do think that there is something admirable about being able to be as good as they have been for as long as they have been without really having that three-year period, five-year period of just abject futility that so many of these franchises go through in this league. No doubt about it. One final question. Once again, thank TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, StarBank, StarBank.net, and also Aquarius Home Services. And thanks again uh, to Aquarius Home Services for providing the studios for these shows. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Check out the rest of the shows, including uh, Russo on Hockey. we got about four or five hockey shows. Jeff Diamond on the Vikings. You know the drill. Uh, A lot of really good chin music shows on a very interesting Twins team with Lavelle and Roy lately. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. And subscribe to your favorite podcast app. Free and easy way to listen. Last question of the day. What's worse? Flag football, Pro Bowl, or the no defense NBA All Star game? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'm a I'm a an NBA guy through and through, Jim. Um, but I think I have to take the All Star game for the NBA because at least the flag football is in is understanding what it is. With the 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 NFL has embraced that the Pro Bowl game 
with you put these guys in pads and you and and you put them out there and all that stuff like it was an abomination it was not suitable for television there's there's no you, there's just no reason to play it so they just said we're not going to do it like we're we're just going to have a flag football game we're going to have some fun with it we're not going to make it more than it is and um and and just go about it that way the nba all-star game is still theoretically trying to matter some it's trying to be the the league wants it to be something worth watching and that was not worth watching on Sunday. And so unless they make some big changes, we discussed on the John Krasinski show some possibilities. But um, that it's just like I think that's the greater travesty than, you know, even something as lame as flag football. It, everyone knows it's lame. They're embracing the lameness of it. The, the, the NBA All-Star Game is still trying to be something that it clearly wasn't on Sunday. And they got a lot of a lot of work to do to fix that thing. I got the solution. Go for it. Flag basketball. Flag basketball. It it makes too much sense. And, or or here's what you do. You have uh, Peyton and Eli coach the NBA All Star game. <laughs> this, see, I see that these are the kinds of things. That I I know that Adam Silver podcasts this, and not and not just the the basketball show. He also podcasts the Viking show, and I think that this is going to really affect some change. Yeah, we, I just hope we get paid for this. 